You can worry if you want to. You can cry if you are scared. You can direct all your energy at being more prepared for a journey that had started so very long ago. Or you can focus on the learning and let your spirit grow. You can focus on the learning and let your spirit grow. Welcome. And as best you can, experience welcome. What good is the concept without the experience? Welcome to Love is the Power. This podcast is rooted in a self-inquiry method known as the work of Byron Katie. And Tom is a certified facilitator of the work. You'll be hearing a dyad, triad, group, or guided meditation today. As you follow along, you're encouraged to do the best you can to experience for yourself what's being shared. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. to some Bitcoin stuff. And um, I shared that uh, episode with you actually with Jordan Peterson. Did you listen to that one yet, Dory? Or did you come across that? It has like the five, anyway, it's five Bitcoiners, but the part that I'm interested in outside of the Bitcoin piece was um, they were speaking to the notion of wanting something for nothing. Mm. That was kind of a, like in this example, they were using, they were saying Bitcoin is kind of like a fail safe against that human tendency to want something for nothing, which is what they were kind of alluding the central banking system to, to doing. Mm-hmm. But I just, it caught my attention because that we've spoken to that, or I know you've, you've kind of spoken to like, um, I think you've spoken to that piece before of wanting something for nothing, but also kind of how it relates to who and what we are. So I just, I found it piquing my interest and, and was curious to hear your thoughts on um, wanting something for nothing and how that relates to the human experience. Yeah, I I mean, wanting something for nothing. And as far as uh, society or culture is uh, the the 
the harmonious running, you could say, of society and culture, wanting something, wanting something for nothing. It's not, not um, doesn't promote harmony or trust or um, a good experience um, as a society, you could say. Why is that? Well, uh, because societies like uh, the inter, you know, interdependence that we have, and, and you know, like I'm not gonna um, catch the fish and grow the wheat and bake the bread, and uh, you know, so we depend on, or we're interdependent on. The bread maker, the candlestick maker, the and um, and so within that system of supporting each other, then um, um, wanting something for nothing, then you're going to try to create rules that allow you to you know, benefit in some way off of someone else's labor or, or creativity or contribution without any kind of like fair compensation, fair exchange. Um, and so like where this came up for you was listening to the Bitcoiners, how it's, um, uh, it's a built-in trust system that um, is decentralized uh, so, versus the current financial system, which is centralized, where centralized banks are are uh, controlling the currency and allowing the, themselves to profit without making any kind of uh, real contribution to the overall economy so um, and then that kind of behavior makes it more difficult for everyone else it's like draining resources out of the system rather than keeping the flow going where there's a fair exchange of uh, time energy creativity and compensation uh, you know in the form of currency which is just a, a store of wealth for your energy creativity productivity or contribution um, so so it, it makes it more difficult for everyone to make a living you could say uh, wanting something for nothing um, especially when currently and for a long time we've had uh, all these centralized systems which allow for uh, that human tendency to want something for nothing to thrive. <laughs> or, uh, so, so the Bitcoiners are pointing out that the blockchain and the Bitcoin and this independent currency is um, a way to address the iniquities within our current system because of centralization. 
but wanting something from nothing you know as a human tendency um you know the, that in terms of like the work or spirituality you can think of it as um how i react what happens when i believe you know i'm not capable or, or life is unfair or um I don't have what it takes or uh, mm. so it's kind of the result it's like how i react when i believe those i that that would be my that's my first impression just mm -hmm. considering it that would be that would be a, an, an effect of a belief because uh, you know deep down deep down inside we don't we don't want something for nothing like deep down we realize the interconnectedness or the oneness or the no separation aspect of reality or life and um and so deep down nobody wants something for nothing or as in nobody wants something where there isn't some kind of fair exchange happening in the receiving mm. um, because you know when, uh, when we realize the oneness of it all that's just shooting myself in the foot that's um, i can't benefit at, at somebody else's expense without you know somebody else's expense happening um, mm. uh, so you know, as we wake up and realize, begin to realize there's no separation, then, you know, then you could say we naturally live the golden rule of treating others as we, we would want to be treated. Mm. That's um, but, it, you know, we, we naturally live it because it's intelligent and uh, not... Mm. not not out of fear that you know God's going to throw me in hell uh, if I don't. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's interesting too the the beliefs that like I'm not competent or I'm not good enough or I can't like. It's interesting that those beliefs are what kind of create the wanting something or could possibly create the experience of wanting something for nothing, where we're kind of. Yeah, I was real, really relating to like, it's so much more satisfying to give or to contribute, to be a part of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and, 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 you know, so many different beliefs, uh, you know, beliefs, beliefs and limitations, you know, there's only so much um, mm -hmm. beliefs that create desires. Uh, and attachments, um, you know, beliefs around needing control. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, but but uh, all those, you, you could say, get traced back to belief in separation. And, you know, it's the joke, as long as in our experience, our story and experience, there's two, well, then there's a, 
there's better than, there's less than, you know, there's uh, uh, unfairness, <laughs> there's competition, um, more, you know, uh, tension between the separate the separate believing entities, separation believing entities. So yeah, lots of lots of different beliefs about the universe, about self, about the nature of life and who and what we are that um, you know create that desire to get somehow get something for nothing. Yeah. And who knows, maybe underneath it all, there's some distorted wisdom in it. uh, I was just flashing to a roomy poem where it's talking about how our, our soul was given to us for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, our beingness or soul or it's given to us to given to us for nothing, and then he goes into how you know people who receive wealth as an inheritance without having done any kind of work or contribution often misuse or lose, uh, but basically take for granted what. what what was freely given and how we take our soul, our soul for granted because it's just freely given and life is freely given. So who knows, maybe there's like a distorted wisdom at the bottom of it that it's like, oh, it's it's all freely given, everything. Um, so, but I don't know. <laughs> hmm. yeah and we probably all get tempted by that wanting something for nothing you know maybe another part of that is yeah just the belief in lack you know, which can create a, a, a greed, a kind of greed sensation inside. And then with that greed sensation, of course, I'm, I'm going to want to get more for less, or how can I get more without having to work more? <laughs> From that fearful greed place that believes in lack mm-hmm. but you know it's, as Katie puts out all all suffering is comes from our beliefs and, uh, <clears throat> you know and then you could say as a collective humanity, our collective belief system uh, 
you could say, creates the systems we have in place, which allow for, in this case, what the Bitcoiners are pointing out from the talk, that allows for the central, centralized systems that allow for fraud and, uh, you know, basically getting something for nothing. Mm -hmm. Allows for a centralized control of something like in this case, the currency, a centralized control of currency, which at least in our current way of doing it um, is required to, you know, facilitate the ease and exchange of goods and services. Um, and they have a centralized control over that. And, and then they're charging people to use that in their little hidden ways. I just read, just read a, something where like the Federal Reserve makes, um, has been, makes about, well, like last year made like around $275 billion profit and, uh, and has been uh, you know, for like the last 10 years or so, it's been that, that size of a profit. And, then uh, you, you could argue that what are they actually doing for that? It could be not doing much other than they they got awarded the centralized monopoly on the uh, reserve currency of the world. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm curious if we are relating the like what what is created in the external world as a reflection of the inner dynamics. How do we um, is it possible to work with that part of ourselves or do we need something like, I guess what was striking to me about Bitcoin was that it, it was saying, here's this system that keeps that tendency in check. Is there an inner yeah. representation of a system that keeps that tendency in check? And what would that like, what would be the... Well, you know, if you have a, 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 a conscience that's somewhat <laughs> active or awake, you're, you know, you're, you'll notice that tendency and, um, and not consider it a quality that you want to um, uh, grow, <laughs> mm. you know, or a, a, a quality uh, that that you want to develop skills around um, living, mm -hmm. you know? And so then uh, if, if, you know, if you're using the work or some spiritual practice that, well, you know, especially the work, uh, you can look at it when you notice that tendency inside or that desire, that temptation um, how can I get something for nothing? 
Um, you know, you can just welcome it, let it in. And, and it's like, you know, one way to ask yourself is, um, it's like, what, what must I be believing about myself, about others, about life? that the effect of that belief is this temptation and desire to somehow get something for nothing. Mm. You know, so, and then you don't know that for other people, they might, if they're pretty far gone, <laughs> you know, no conscience that other people, uh, might not even notice it as a negative like they're just fully on board with yeah this is a good this is a this is a good plan how you know working at how i can get something for nothing mm. how can i control some some kind of system that gives me an advantage an upper hand uh, leverage where either through deception or force <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, just getting something for nothing that's you know I have a bigger club you know I'm going to take your garden thank you very much for getting it all ready for me <laughs> take your property right. Uh, right so force is kind of intersected with what like the the violence and force kind of well through. getting something for nothing you know it's how how are you going to do that mm -hmm. people people aren't generally going to cooperate with you getting something for nothing from them <laughs> <laughs> unless it's through deception or force mm -hmm. so And, you know, to me, our current, many of our current systems, uh, um, by the centralized aspect of it, allow for both deception and force, central, centralized, centralized force, as well as centralized control. Um, um, like monopoly on currency and a mon monopoly on um, legal violence. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. as, as I say, you know, what are you going to do? Love what is. <laughs> or as Katie says, become so easy or simple to live in the world when we love what is. Yeah. You know, but uh, what, what is empowering is if it's true that it's a collective, it's a result of collective um, overall co collective consciousness or where we are collectively and our collective belief systems, how they interact and then create, and then we create systems that come from those. And, uh, 
even if there's a centralized system that's abusing its centralized power, that it's all coming up collectively. So you could say both parties are in agreement, not consciously, but but because of how we believe these systems are allowed to thrive, and, um, which is you could say empowering to the individual because every individual affects the collective by their. So anytime we're undoing stories where it it has a, you know from my perspective it has a multiplier of seven and a half billion people so it's, i undo stories that would allow for my own wanting something for nothing um, to to dissolve fall away um, that uh, opens that allows for other people to step out of that a little easier. Um, so it shifts the whole ecosystem of consciousness that these systems that we create come out of, emerge out of. Um, and so as more and more people realize that's where the real power is, more and more people will do this kind of work, liberate themselves from, from the di unfair dynamics they witness in the world, find it in themselves, liberate themselves from that, make it easier for others to do that, and, um, and begin to transform the systems that we create into systems that reflect more accurately the truth of the universe or life or self or God. Um, and the other beautiful aspect of the work or any of this inner work is we don't have to wait for the collective to get it. You know, that... Um, that we can free ourselves of those, those systems because even though it seems like the, we live within those man-made created systems that have centralization and fraud and force and violence and fraud and control, um, and it seems like we live in those systems, um, those systems actually live in the greater system of consciousness or God or uh, the universe. Um, and so they're not the real power, they're, they're appearing within the universe or the consciousness or awareness or reality. Um, and they're subject to the, the truth of reality, not um, they, they, they don't dictate the truth of reality. They're subject to it. And so everyone has the potential and possibility to liberate themselves from 
unfair, unjust systems, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, you know, unfair and unjust, those are, those are very easy beliefs for huge majority of the population on this planet to believe and it's unfair the life is unfair life is unjust or these systems are unfair unjust um, but this belief in unfair and unjust um, um, to begin to have the courage on the individual level to live without those beliefs or even live the turnaround it's there's nothing nothing unfair or unjust or uh, you know in the face of so much injustice <laughs> and and unfairness that we see and experience in the world but to have the courage to live, you know, either the turnaround or live without the story. Um, which I like about the work, uh, like in this case, um, noticing question number three, how, how I show up in this world as a human when I believe it's unfair and unjust. And just notice how how do I react? What happens? How does it affect me? And then also, how do I show up in life uh, with my fellow humans uh, when I believe it's unfair, it's unjust here? And then who would I be without that story? What would I be without that story? And then how would I relate to uh, to life on this planet, other humans? without the story and usually um, you know because again if you look at the world it's real you know there's so much evidence that it's unfair and unjust here now that might not be the nature of reality unfair and unjust but if you look at the systems we've created it sure looks like unfair and unjust is happening um, So question three and four are just dealing with becoming very aware, awake to how you show up, what happens inside of you when you believe the story, and then who would you be without it? And for me, I've always noticed, you know, I started asking myself, especially on these, that you know, um, is it true? And can you absolutely know that it's true? Either it was a yes and a yes, it's true. Yes, I know it's true. Can you absolutely, you know, some of it is yes. But even when it really seemed like it was true, um, what supported me in living without the story was noticing with the story, this is how I show up in this is that how I want to show up? Does that feel supportive, loving, kind? Does it feel like I'm contributing to a better world when I'm believing this and how I show up versus who would I be without it? And 
how do I relate and show up? Um, and sometimes that information would be enough to live without that or be open to living without that story. Mm. But it's an interest, it's a really interesting uh, inquiry, unfair, unjust, mm. and the, you know, and like some groups of people to even, to even put it up to question, <laughs> you know, they would, they would want to, you know, shoot you. <laughs> you know, yeah. As in, it'd be very offensive to, to even question, is it true? It's unfair, it's unjust, is it true? Um, you know, so not for everyone. <laughs> right. I think that is such a, that's such a uh, radical and controversial, or I don't know if those are the right words, but piece of the work um, or of like, we've talked before about spiritual bypassing and kind of like, I mean, even when you're talking about it, you're like, when we have so much proof in the world of all these unjust things, yet we're also holding, you know, is it true or how do I react when I believe these thoughts? Like it, it does feel so yeah. nuanced and like a minefield in a way because, you know, you know, and, you, know you can be accused of, um, you know, put, sticking your head, in, you're just being an ostrich, sticking your head in the ground. You're, you're using spirituality to not deal with the reality of life on planet Earth. Yeah. You're, you know, but uh, a free, but that, that comes from um, what I find. Well, uh, there's a few people that I know who have left Byron Katie's school for the work because they hit this thing around social you know, unfairness and unjust because for the work, there are no sacred beliefs. They're all, uh, you could say they're all up for the, to be put on the chopping block. Mm. Um, but for some people, they have some sacred beliefs and, and boy, you go into question that and they're out of here. Mm. And that's one of them that I've noticed people leaving the program when it hits you know, questioning that. And a big part of that leaving is they can't, because we're so identified with thinking and cause and effect, um, like without the story, we're very peaceful. Um, like nothing, the internal sense is, you know, peace, at home, sense of completion, sense of harmony. Um, uh, so we're not, so, and so with that sense of peace like that, and coming from this sought identified place, it's a reason, justification, cause and effect kind of 
it doesn't understand that you can still be just as active and maybe more efficient in your action from a peaceful place versus an outraged place versus an offended place or, or, or uh, you know, the righteous versus a righteous, a righteous place. Um, and so people will get afraid. We, it reveals this fear we have actually because of our false identification, we have actually have a fear of our true nature. Um, which is which makes sense in in that if I'm identified with the false nature, which means it has some illusory, it's not real, it's, it has some illusory quality to it. And if I'm identified with it, well, of course it's going to be afraid of who I really am because that's the death of it. it it's going to die into the truth of who I am. Mm. And um, and so um, almost always at some point in this kind of work, people will become consciously aware of their fear of peace, their fear of wholeness, completeness, their fear of harmony, um, the fear of love, especially because love and freedom go together. So, so we'll run into that fear of freedom. Um, and, um, and, you know, and they'll back off, like, you know, oh, not for me, or they'll just do their spirituality in, in a way that just makes them feel good as a human being, like I'm a good person. Um, but it won't be, won't have the, the drive to, to really see and experience and know the truth for, for, for themselves anymore. Um, But it, it does, yeah, it's all fun. It's a great path. Well, we're all going to get it eventually. But I, I like how Katie says it only takes one to have peace on earth. We don't, we don't have to wait for the whole world to get it. And then also, I like how she refers to the work as a grassroots peace movement. Mm. One, one, you know, one person at a time. Uh, as they're interested. Mm. But, um, you know, it's an interesting school, planet Earth. In this, in this regards, especially right now, from my perspective, where there's so much, there is so much centralized control and um, the use of force um, in, in controlling people. Um, um, that it's a real push to, to, you could say, go all the way to the freedom of the truth of who we are, to find that unconditional peace, unconditional love, freedom, unconditional happiness, uh, unconditional positivity. <laughs> mm. 
So, so that's a great opportunity being here on planet Earth in that regards. Yeah. No, which makes me think of the uh, two two things. Uh, one, where Jesus was telling, you know, they were going to use some expensive oil to rub Jesus' feet, and then one of the disciples was like, "Shouldn't we sell that oil and give it to the poor?" And Jesus said something like, "You know, the poor, the poor you'll have, you can always have the poor." take care of um yeah, but i'm only going to be around for a little bit or i forget exactly but the part that stuck out right now for me was you're you're always going to have the poor um and then uh and then this other story i'd heard um you know so there's little fable stories that are representative of uh, spirituality and it usually involves a king and and the king represents consciousness or awakeness or you know god consciousness or enlightenment enlightened being and um, so in this story this, there's the king lives in the, you know his little castle and his son is out wandering you know the lands as part of his education as a prince and king to be and and um, and then there's all this chaos going out on out in the lands far far and wide little battles and wars going on everywhere and, and the prince is trying to find his way back home and um and he gets a message to the kings and you know i keep keep running into battle after battle after battle and um, I can just not be able to find my way home and gets the message to the king and miraculously the message gets back to the prince and uh, the message is um, every time you come to a battle lie down until the battle's over and moves and and then get up and keep coming and you run into another battle you lie down till battle's over and it moves and then get up and keep coming and you'll you'll make it home and when i first heard that story i was so offended like lie down no your duty is to battle and so like in this case with social justice unfairness um, injustice or like jesus said you're you're always going to have the poor to you know, to do battle for. Mm. Um, but you have the option of going home. But to go home, you have to let go of the battle. Mm. Um, and it feels counterintuitive. It feels cold. It feels inconsiderate. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, cowardly. Uh, like for me, it just brought up cowardice. Uh, the, I mean, it was this so upset when I first heard that story long time ago before I ever, before I found the work but uh, like looking at questioning like who would you be without the story you're just dropping the story of un injustice dropping the story of unfairness 
which if you really drop it, you're dropping the battle for fairness, the battle for justice. Mm. Um, but what we don't, which feel, you know, which can like make you nauseous, like uh, this feels so wrong. Um, but um, what we don't realize is as long as we're battling like that, we're still fighting, we're still believing that war works and peace doesn't. Mm. You know, it's still, we're still in a dynamic where um, we're going to use war to get peace. You know, so, so then we have the dynamic, we still have the dynamic of both sides that are in war, they both believe that their, their war is the right war that will lead to peace if they win. And the other ones that are doing their war are the ones that think that if they're right and if we win the war, we'll have peace. And, and we don't realize we're still believing that war works. Well, if war works, we're not, if we believe war works and peace doesn't, we'll never have peace. It'll just be endless wars, which is what you have on planet Earth, at least in our history as we're told and what we, what we know of history. And so um, to, to begin to You know, it's like the mind is constantly scaring us, trying to scare us back into who we're not when we start getting close to experiencing who and what we are. You know, so people hit a place of peace as they do their spiritual work and quite often they're, they're afraid that, that the mind will show them being passive right. in the future or being a doormat or, or project not caring about humanity or project coldness and insensitivity And if we don't question that, we'll leave the internal experience of peace, which to me would be the internal experience of the truth, or, or, or true nature, or original nature, however you want to say it. And, and the funniest thing is, you know, what, what do I want to win the war of justice for? For peace. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just on the individual level, what do I, you know, what do I want to win the, this particular war for or that particular war or just an individual life? 
you know, it's almost always for peace or to relax and enjoy, to, um, but some kind of peace, calmness, completeness, relaxation, happiness. Yeah, so I'm just sensing like the practice of making the content of the content of experiences or life less like they're just so they're so tempting or intriguing or but it's like that practice of uh, of the of how we're doing our living of how it actually makes us show up is just so much more impactful i guess on on shift than having the right idea or the right the right way the right action the right the right course of action you mean mm-hmm. how, how, what's happening internally yeah may be more important than the activity yeah yeah Yeah, or just like kind of how it's so the content of whatever you know if we're talking about an issue of justice or like the content is so um is so captivating that but and it seems so counterintuitive or oversimplified to to go but how does this actually make me show up in the situation because that's actually what influences it or is Mm -hmm. you know but yeah it's like in the face of this very captivating content to remember that like how my being is actually impacted by this has way more sway on the situation yeah it's worth experimenting with yeah yeah that's why i I love um mahatma gandhi's uh the name for his autobiography my experiments with truth Mm. to me that's everyone's autobiography title (laughs) my experiments with truth and uh, and then Gandhi was really clear on you know so many people wanted him to use uh, violence to get rid of the British government and for him it was really clear that to use violence, we'd just be trading one violent regime for another violent regime, just different colored skin, different ethnic background. And that he wasn't interested. Can I, may I share something? Yeah. I think on that note of violence, 
Mm -hmm. I've heard several like Navy SEALs or like, you know, uh, jujitsu black belts talk about how their go-to is always to disengage or de-escalate or diffuse the situation. Mm. And I think that it sort of speaks to that, that wisdom that even those who are maybe you would consider the most likely to defer to violence or combat, you know, these are skilled. (laughs) Yeah. The most skilled. Yeah, exactly. They've like reached the pinnacle of success when it comes to, to war or or combat. Mm -hmm. And even they say you're, your best shot at being successful here is to disengage, de-escalate, diffuse, you know, walk away. So it kind of reminds me of like a modern day interpretation of the lying down on the battlefield. Mm. Yeah. And then another observation that came to mind as you were sharing, especially around like the, um, this idea that like investigating, is it true being a cop-out or people having, you know, a hard time with that? Yeah, or, yeah it, like how dare you Right. that it's in, injustice? Yeah, so I think I would consider myself someone who had those same sort of qualms when I first encountered that question, like, is it true? And I really appreciate how, I've noticed how you, Tom, will often say like, after doing question one and two, you'll say like, okay, well now we're done with trying to ascertain whether or not this belief is true. And now we're going to look at how it affects us. Mm -hmm. And I had this really um, like powerful experience when you were leading a meditation and walking us through these questions. And when we were doing question three, it actually spontaneously made me want to ask myself, wait, is this true? Cause it's impacting me so strongly and it's having, it has such a negative hold on me. It mm-hmm. made me actually say, wait, but is it even true? Mm-hmm. And so I've now, when people ask me about the work, I actually sometimes present question three first yep. and then go back to one and two as, as yep. a result of having that experience. Uh, yeah. And, and um, yeah, that's great to hear story and yeah i've done that too with some people where i go straight to question number three and then circle back around to is it true and yeah yeah also um, um I love that no one, you know, no one ever has to do the work. So, you know, if on an individual level you run into a sacred, sacred concept or sacred belief, you don't ever have to question it. And, you know, you could say to the four questions or the word, four questions in the turnaround, there are no sacred beliefs. They're all. They're all up for questioning. (laughs) Okay, so maybe call it good for today. Sounds good. Thank you.
Okay. Yeah, first uh, crypto recording. <laughs> Share my personal bias. Share your what? That's my personal bias. <laughs> it's a, I love it. To me, it's a peaceful revolution. Mm. And it's indicative of the truth that I can be free in a corrupt system. Mm. And, um, and that these systems are not the systems that we actually live in. There's a greater system, greater reality that we actually live in. And the truth of that greater reality is, the, is where the real power is. And these other lesser, um, like people created systems operate within this the truth of reality the truth of reality reigns supreme which everyone has access to there's no system that can block that mm. access it can use fear and force to deceive us into giving our power away but can't actually take that power away Mm. Um, uh, you know the cryptos to me are they're like we we've come up with a system where let's say it's true that this centralized um, monetary system is corrupt and manipulative and getting something for nothing which of course is it's not getting something for nothing it's getting something that for the cost of many 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 other humans mm. um, uh, but let's say that's accurate that is what's happening and the cryptos reveal the true they're they're revealing a truer aspect to the nature of reality and where it's like we can just go we don't have to overthrow this thing we can just go you know thanks but we're not interested <laughs> we're we're just going to go do it over here in the way that is we experience as fair and just and um, uh, a better more encouraging system for everyone's well-being and so see ya <laughs> mm. so i hope everyone gets involved and buys some bitcoin <laughs> keep the revolution going but the the inner revolution is the the important one but as we undo our belief systems undo the victim consciousness we will will naturally come up with systems that reflect the freedom and the love and the peace that we truly are that is the real nature of of, um, reality and and, but from my perspective i wouldn't recommend waiting for everyone else to kind of get it all righty Okay. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Yep. Take care. Bye, beautiful. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
for a little something different. Love is the power podcast lovers. I wanted to mention my friend Dory and her partner Arthur make the most amazing chocolate truffles. And if you're a chocolate lover, it's a must that you, you give these a try. So if you go to childishchocolates.com, you can order a box. So I've had them. They are amazing. And I know Dory and Arthur personally, and so I can verify personally that they're made with love. And it comes through in the flavor. So support our friend Dory and Arthur in their new venture with Childish Chocolates and yourself with a wonderful experience. And every wonderful experience is an investment, not an expense. So invest in your own beautiful experiencing. <laughs> That's childishchocolates.com. is lived in lessons each lesson's got its theme they keep circling back for you until you start to see where you forgot you were connected with everything it's okay we all do it too it just takes remembering it's okay we all do it too it just takes remembering that love is what we're all here for it's the only score we're keeping so settle yours love is what we're all here for it's the only score we're keeping so settle yours you can do all of the things you can play all of the parts you can make a mess of everything or score off all the charts but when you reach the end and you think that you have died you will do it all again The views and opinions expressed on the Tom podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Byron Katie, nor the intent of her self-inquiry method known as The Work. For more information on Byron Katie, please visit thework.com. If you wish to learn more about Tom, a certified facilitator of The Work, and the podcast's eponym, please visit theworkwithtom.com. Thank you.